The future of Obamacare. An appeals court hears arguments on the validity of the health care measure. We have reaction from Capitol Hill. A legal answer. The Trump administration thinks it may have found a way to put a citizenship question on the 2020 census. Headed to Africa. A preview of the Holy Father's sixth international trip this year. And fight for the unborn. Thousands of pro-life supporters rally in Ireland. On EWTN News Nightly for Tuesday, July 9th, 2019. Good evening from Washington, D.C., and thank you for joining us for News from a Catholic Perspective. I'm Wyatt Goolsby, in for Lauren Ashburn. Courts will once again decide the future of Obamacare. The question this time, did Congress destroy the legal foundations of the Affordable Care Act? A federal judge in December said the law is now unconstitutional. Today, an appeals court hears the case. Capitol Hill correspondent Jason Calvey joins us with more. Jason? Why, this case could once again change health care across the country. Obamacare does a lot of things like it says insurance companies cannot deny coverage to people with pre-existing conditions. Now, Catholic groups like our network have sued part of the law, which is the contraceptive mandate. Now, 18 Republican states are looking for a second win to get this whole law struck down. Dueling laws lead to today's court battle over Obamacare. We believe in keeping the Affordable Care Act on the books. People with pre-existing conditions shouldn't be discriminated against. The Democratic-controlled Congress passed the Affordable Care Act in 2010. President Barack Obama signed it into law. It fined people who don't carry health insurance. In 2012, the Supreme Court ruled that was constitutional because it's Congress's power to tax. In 2017, the Republican tax law set that penalty to zero dollars. Now the tax is scrapped, Republicans and the Trump administration say the whole law has to go. I think after the individual mandate was struck, uh, the, the whole thing may fall, because that was the underpinning of it. The court said it was a, a tax, a lot of discretion to tax, but when you take that away, uh, there's a, I think, better than 50-50 chance the concept falls, then it'd be up to all of us to replace it with something. Democrats once again standing alone today to defend Obamacare holding photos of those they say are protected by the Affordable Care Act. We must fight for the 20 million people at risk of losing their coverage if this ACA is repealed. Millions of people depend on us. They sent us here to protect their health care. That's what I'm doing. That's what we're doing. While Republicans promise to protect health care, they again battle Obamacare. The Affordable Care Act really uh, has been a Trojan horse for a whole lot of other policies that frankly are not particularly popular because they've resulted in high deductibles and high premiums. A three-judge panel is hearing today's case at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, they were nominated by three different presidents, President Jimmy Carter, George W. Bush, and Donald Trump. Now, we don't know exactly when they'll issue their ruling, but it's likely no matter what they decide, it'll be once again across the street at the Supreme Court. Wyatt? We'll be watching to see how it develops. Capitol Hill correspondent Jason Calvey reporting. Thanks, Jason. House Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is calling on Labor Secretary Alex Acosta to resign. It is now impossible for anyone to have confidence in Secretary Acosta's ability to lead the Department of Labor. If he refuses to resign, President Trump should fire him.
Acosta has said he will not resign. He has come under fire for his role in the secret 2008 plea deal that let Jeffrey Epstein, a wealthy financier, avoid federal prison after allegations of molesting teenage girls. President Trump says he will look closely at how Acosta handled the case. A federal appeals court says President Trump cannot ban critics from his Twitter account. The three-judge panel agreed with a lower court that said the president violates the First Amendment when he blocks people from his Twitter account. President Trump has more than 61 million Twitter followers. The Trump administration says it might have a legal way to include a citizenship question in the 2020 U.S. Census. The Supreme Court blocked the question. Now Attorney General William Barr sides with President Donald Trump. They both say the high court got it wrong and the question should be included. White House correspondent Mark Irons reports. Good evening, Mark. Good evening, Wyatt. The president has argued the high cost of conducting the census requires the basic question, are you a U.S. citizen? And his attorney general now believes there is a legal way forward to make sure it is included, but disagreement has come from the highest court in the country and even Catholic bishops. The Trump administration keeps fighting to place a citizenship question on the 2020 census. The president even used the issue to push his reelection bid today, tweeting, Recent strained decisions by the United States Supreme Court, some so simple as allowing the question, are you a citizen of the United States, shows how incredibly important our upcoming 2020 election is. I have long heard that the appointment of Supreme Court justices is a president's most important decision. So true. Now the Justice Department has formed a new team of attorneys to argue in favor of the citizenship question. Attorney General William Barr says he and President Trump have been in constant discussions about the next plan of action. And I think over the next day or two you'll see what approach we're taking. I think uh, it, it does provide a pathway for getting the question on the census. But the high court has blocked the president's plan for now. Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts said the Trump administration's justification for including the citizenship question to enforce the Voting Rights Act seemed to be contrived. Last week, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops supported the Supreme Court's decision, writing, We affirm that all persons in the United States should be counted in the census regardless of their immigration status and reemphasize our judgment that questions regarding citizenship should not be included in the census. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the real reason the president wants to ask, are you a U.S. citizen, has everything to do with race. This is about keeping, you know, make America, you know, his hat, Make America white again. Pelosi wants lawmakers to hold Attorney General Barr and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross in contempt of Congress because they didn't comply with subpoenas over the census question. What? White House correspondent Mark Irons reporting. Thanks, Mark. The Trump administration is reviewing the role of human rights in its foreign policy. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is appointing a commission expected to raise concerns on religious freedom and abortion. The commission is composed of human rights experts, philosophers, and activists, Republicans, Democrats, and independents of varied backgrounds and beliefs who will provide me with advice on human rights grounded in our nation's founding principles and the principles of 1948 Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Human rights the Commission on Unalienable Rights will be led by Harvard Law Professor Mary Ann Glendon. She's a pro-life supporter and the former U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See. Hong Kong's chief executive says the territory's controversial extradition bill with mainland China is dead. I have almost immediately put a stop to the amendment exercise. 
but there are still lingering doubts about the government's sincerity or worries whether the government will restart the process in the Legislative Council. So I reiterate here, there is no such plan. Despite the announcement, protesters say they will continue to demonstrate until the proposal is formally withdrawn. There are concerns the measure would threaten religious freedom. The Holy See has revoked the diplomatic immunity of the Apostolic Nuncio to France. Archbishop Luigi Ventura, shown with French President Emmanuel Macron, is accused of inappropriately touching a young man in January. Church officials say the 74-year-old who resides at the Holy See's embassy in Paris is cooperating with the probe. A Catholic priest in Uganda has been killed. Father Norbert Emmanuel Mugarura was murdered by a university student. No motive was released. The 47-year-old was the superior general of the Brothers of St. Charles Luanga. Pope Francis' sixth foreign trip this year will be to Africa. The Holy Father will travel to Mozambique, Madagascar, and Mauritius in September. The Vatican released a preliminary schedule that includes visits with bishops, presidents, and celebrating Mass. Joining me now is Mauro Garofalo, International Relations Officer for the Community of Sant'Egidio, a Catholic group focused on prayer, peace, and helping the poor. Mauro, welcome back to the broadcast. The president of Mozambique visited the Sant'Egidio community yesterday. What was his message to your group, and how is he preparing for the Holy Father's visit? Well, the first message was a message of gratitude for the community of Sant'Egidio, for our presence there. And as you may know, since uh, the end of the 80s, Sant'Egidio is present in Mozambique. And we work for peace. Uh, and in 1992, the peace agreement for Mozambique was signed in Sant'Egidio. So it was a, a message of gratitude. And also, uh, he felt at home. He said, this is my house. This is a house of peace. And of course, uh, a big part of the discussion was about the visit of the Pope, for which the country is preparing very fast. Catholics make up about 27% of the nearly 30 million people in the country. What are you hearing from Catholics in Mozambique ahead of the Pope's visit? They are all excited, but we must say also that this will be an ecumenical visit. So the Pope asks all the denomination and all churches to prepare for his visit. And I think that there are joint effort to make this visit a great success. The country is waiting for the visit of the Pope, and the visit of the Pope will mean for the country hope, peace, and reconciliation. You mentioned before that your community has a long history of helping in the Southern African nation. Earlier this year, a devastating cyclone hit Mozambique. What is life like for Catholics now after the cyclone? Well, the, the efforts are going fast. We are, uh, we are doing many things, especially in the healthcare and uh, nutrition uh, field. We distributed already 20,000 um, nutritional kits for children, and we are also working for vaccination against cholera. But of course, the emergency will last for a while because crops are devastated by the cyclone. So the um, food emergency will last for a while. Uh, we need the efforts of everyone to solve this problem. Our communities are very active there, especially in Beira, which was the center of the cyclone, but not only there, because also in countryside uh, there has been a lot of damages. So we are working hard. And I'm sure the Holy Father is going to be praying, as he has been, for the people in Mozambique. What do you uh, hope people in Mozambique will take away from Pope Francis' visit? As we said, it's a message of hope. Uh, the country is in peace right now, but there is still a need of reconciliation, political reconciliation, social reconciliation. 
and justice, of course. This was partly uh, one of the subjects of discussion with President uh, Niusi yesterday. But, of course, um, the visit of, of the Pope will boost all these processes in the country. So there is a great, uh, a great expectation for it. So many important issues that the Pope will be talking about and obviously praying for, as well as Catholics around the world. Mauro Garofalo, International Relations Officer for the Community of Sant'Egidio, thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you. Keep on calling me. Coming up, we hear about a campaign to bring supplies to families at the border. And we remember former presidential candidate Ross Perot. Welcome back. I'm Wyatt Goolsby, in for Lauren Ashburn. A California bill requiring priests to break the seal of confession has been withdrawn. It means the proposal likely will not be considered again this year. In its original form, it would have ordered priests to disclose anything they heard in confession concerning the sexual abuse of minors. A group of pro-life women is helping to bring supplies to asylum seekers at the border. The organization New Wave Feminists, through its campaign Bottles to the Border, has raised thousands of dollars to provide donations of water, baby bottles, and other goods to respite centers in Texas. Joining me now from Dallas is New Wave Feminist founder Destiny Herndon De La Rosa. Destiny, welcome. What inspired you to take on this mission? Um, you know, I think as a pro-life feminist activist, seeing such a need at the border and realizing that my own pro-life beliefs are based in one of human dignity, um, we stand with the vulnerable wherever they are, especially when they're in our backyard here in Texas. And you've talked with so many people who have fled from danger in their home countries. What do you hear from the families you meet? You know, I hear, um, I hear these kind of opposing narratives where a lot of times, uh, you know, the media wants us to believe that they're criminals and the other, the other side is, no, these are families. And so I went down there firsthand to see what, what was going on. And at these respite centers, I saw women and children and families who had been suffering um, severe threats of violence in their own country and they, they needed asylum. And so they feel very unwanted here. And we wanted to be a part of just welcoming them in because I think that you know, ultimately, these kids are going to be going to school with my children probably one day. And having a traumatized population because they feel unwanted and unwelcomed, uh, you know, just like in the, the pro-life vein, the stuff that I'm working with there, we don't want any human being to ever feel unwelcomed. And so we want them to know that they're safe and they're cared for. And that's a big part of why we're doing this campaign. What kind of support have you received from other groups within the pro-life community? It's been amazing since launching it uh, a little over a week ago. We've got 50 other pro-life organizations that have joined us, and we just passed the $100,000 mark as far as supplies raised. I think now we're actually at 120000 Somebody even donated a semi-truck, which we're going to be taking to the border in McAllen this Saturday, um, just full of baby supplies and formula and nursing support, feminine hygiene care items, um, underwear, shoelaces, like any of the basic needs that these families might need, we're going to be taking down there on Saturday. Are those really the most needed supplies? Is it those kind of uh, motherly uh, goods? Yeah, believe it or not, this actually started when Sister Norma Pimentel at the Humanitarian Respite Center in McAllen put out a call for bottles. She said they desperately needed bottles. And, 
you know, I run New Wave Feminist and we're kind of a smaller group, but I thought we can do bottles and we can probably do more than that. And so we did the same drive back in December and raised about $10,000 and were able to take all types of supplies down there. And, you know, at the time it almost felt helpless. Like here we had these huge vans of supplies, but we knew that they were going to go so fast. And so the really cool thing about now doing it with the involvement of other pro-life organizations in this movement is that we have just seen those supplies, you know, quadruple like we we have we have um, sixty thousand dollars worth of supplies through Amazon wish list that are going to be coming in the semi that I mentioned and then on top of that giving monetary donations um, and also helping a group that aids uh, a legal aid group that is going to help reunite children who've been separated from their parents at the border so yeah these these needs are are definitely there um, as I mentioned shoelaces that's something that's actually taken away from um, the detainees. And so when you see them walking into these respite centers, they're all shuffling in. So even just basic things like that go a long, long way. Okay, so if our viewers would like to donate, if they're watching this and want to contribute, what's the best way to do so? So we actually had to shut down the Amazon wish list because it was bought out. So now the best way to do it is to go to New Wave Feminists, uh, plural, because it's more than just me, newwavefeminists.com, go to our support page and they can donate until Saturday. Excellent. Very good. Well, it is such a blessing to hear about both the campaign and the response as a result. Destiny Herndon De La Rosa, founder of New Wave Feminists, thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you. Texas billionaire Ross Perot, who twice ran for president, has died. His 19 percent of the vote in 1992 is among the best showing by an independent candidate in the past century. His campaign focused on deficit and trade reduction. The graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy died surrounded by family and friends in his home in Dallas. He was 89 years old. Up next, analysis of a study saying there may be a link between medical abortion and depression. And Ireland holds its first major pro-life rally since the country legalized abortion. Welcome back. I'm Wyatt Goolsby, in for Lauren Ashburn. An appeals court in Missouri rules in favor of the ACLU's attempt to block the state's new pro-life legislation. The group soon can begin collecting signatures to put a state law banning abortion at eight weeks to a public vote. The pro-life measure mostly takes effect at the end of August. It will be put on hold if the ACLU collects more than 100,000 signatures by then. And in Kansas, a judge decides not to give a state abortion clinic permission to provide telemedicine abortions. The center last year began providing pregnancy-ending medications to patients who conferred with off-site doctors via webcam. The state's pro-life leaders applaud the court's ruling. Groundbreaking new research, including animal models, is studying the effects of drug-induced abortion. Its findings suggest there may be a link between medical abortion and depression and anxiety. Joining me now by Skype from the Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, is Dr. Stephen Samut, professor of psychology and lead researcher for the study. Dr. Samut, welcome. You've been taking a look at the effects of two drugs commonly used in medical abortions. Tell us about your study and why you wanted to look at these drugs in particular. Thank you, Wyatt. These drugs are being used uh, constantly to induce uh, early term uh, pregnancy termination. So we, what, what the, the reason for the study was to investigate what the effects of these drugs are in terms of the behavioral consequences on, the, on, the, on those being administered the drugs. And so to do that, you used rats for this study. What were just some of the changes you observed when you gave them the drugs? 
rats are used uh, in preclinical studies because they, there's a lot of similarity. Despite the differences, there's a lot of similarity in terms of anatomy, physiology, and even brain, behavior, brain and then behavior. The major effects that we observed were negative uh, health uh, consequences. The animals did not appear to be taking care of themselves as they normally do. And also we saw depression-like and anxiety-like behaviors. Interesting. Well, how long do these changes last? I mean, do the drugs appear to have long-term effects? The behavioral, the behavioral consequences that we observed appear to be short-term. But how, however, you need to keep in mind that a rat's life is, or a rat's time is not the same as human time. So while we observed the, the, the uh, effects of the drugs uh, following the pregnancy termination, this is because the drugs on their own did not show the same effects. So drugs and pregnancy termination, uh, th those effects lasted for a number of days, being equivalent, I guess, in the longest, probably to a six and a half years, human years. As you mentioned, these are rats that you were working with. What do your findings think indicate about the effects the drugs would have on women? Well, given the use, so the use of rats is known as animal models. We use these rats as animal models of human behavior we would predict uh, that what we observed in the rats may be indicative of what could potentially be happening in women following the administration of these drugs in pregnancy termination. So the, um, depression and anxiety are not just feelings. There's a physiological basis to them. And what these models enable us to understand is what, could, what these drugs could potentially be doing at the physiological level, inducing behavioral changes in an animal, and it would potentially be indicative of similar things happening in the human. It's incredible to think so many people just have no idea about the, the consequences of taking these kind of drugs. What are the next steps in your research? Where do we go from here? Well, given that we observe these behaviors, the next stage is to actually go deeper into it and look at what's going on in the brain. What changes are taking place in the brain to potentially cause these behaviors? Like I said, uh, it, depression and anxiety are, have a physiological basis to them, and it's important for us to understand what is going on in the brain to potentially cause these behaviors. Well, so much important information coming out of this study and so insightful as to the long-term effects of these drugs. Dr. Stephen Samut, professor of psychology at the Franciscan University of Steubenville, thanks so much for your insight today. Thank you so much, Wyatt. Finally tonight, thousands of pro-lifers rallied over the weekend in Ireland. They say the country's new abortion law must go. An estimated 10,000 people took part in the All-Ireland Rally for Life. The theme was Stand for Life because organizers said abortion is wrong regardless of what legislation says. The new law allows abortion up to 12 weeks. One speaker says the pro-life movement will continue to fight to overturn the measure. And that concludes our newscast for tonight. We thank you for watching. For the entire EWTN News Nightly team, I'm Wyatt Goolsby. We'll be back tomorrow with more news from a Catholic perspective. Good night and God bless.